This Saturday, only in your terrific tearaway Peggy Mount pod. All the boozing, all the swearing, and at least half the facts guaranteed to probably be right. It's all here in your calamitous pod paper with opinions masquerading as info and insight, and all for naught P. Get on down to your pod's agent and demand the best. The Peggy Mount pod. Coming up on tonight's Red Roaring Rebels. Oh, it, it looks like the future when you see that on a TV advert. Doesn't it? Good R- lord. Rather than, rather than just like uh, the lid off a bit pot with some cakes in it. Right. <laughs> I didn't realise it in 1982, but he is my spirit animal. Well, yes, there is that. He is the servant of Knox. I'm assuming Barbara. Yes, yes. Right, right, that's fine. That's and her fine. sister, Opportunity. Yes, 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 I'm absolutely. not sorry. There's only one sure way of getting a copy of Eagle every week. See your news agent today and ask him to send or reserve you a copy. Ask him to send or reserve you. And you're like, this is fucking dishy miss again, isn't it? When I was nine years old, my news agent was a lady. So stick that up your arse. Exit, stage left. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Peggy Mount Periodical Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here to creep around the crisp boxes and clap with contentment at the free gift that's clagged to this week's issue. Yes, hello to you and thank you for dropping into our laid-back libatory look at some pamphlets of the past where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from our minds because here, Peggy's always peeping round the page. If you leaf over to PeggyMountPod.com, info for the particular issue we're discussing is in the show notes there. You can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or ask us why we think we're too good for the Tiger comic. Now, before we go investigating fallen comets in the woods at 12 o'clock at night, when we're supposed to be keeping the streets safe, Dr Velvet, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Well, I'm telling you right now, if you looked at my glass, you'd think I was indeed in the Congo. For I am at this moment sampling the delights of Umbongo. Just on its own? No, with... Oh, no, no, hold on. Umbongo with Perno. Good God. And I'll tell you something now. (laughs) It tastes like something found at the bottom of a chasm in the Congo. I'll tell you that for nothing. Anyway, you? (laughs) I've got a bottle of The Merchants by the Canterbury Ales Brewing Company in Kent. Excellent selection, although you might have had Hobson's Chorce. Anyway, (laughs) right? Hey! I've had wine as well. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so on to tonight's leafing through literature and a juxtaposition of bygone heroes and contemporary artistic vision, where they blend together to bring us the 1980s re-release of The Eagle Comic. Yes, The Eagle was a weekly boys' adventure revival comic from IPC magazines which ran from 1982 to 1994 for over 500 issues. Ostensibly a reboot of the 1950 title of the same name, this carried over its signature comic hero Dan Dare for the nostalgia crowd. 
Most of the other stories were presented as photo strips, a style emulating popular girls' titles of the time, and additional features come in the form of television interviews, guest articles from sports personalities, and technical cutaway illustrations of things that all boys like, such as fighter planes, tanks, and photocopier cartridges. We flipped through the very first issue, covered it at 27th of March 1982, and priced at 20 new pence. And if that feels expensive, value for money is guaranteed by a free space spinner attached to the cover. Producer Ken's already told us off for knocking his egg rack over with it. I absolutely remember buying this. Me as well. Did you? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Mimi Mate at the time had seen an advert for it uh-huh. in something else, either Look In or Doctor Who Weekly or something. It was advertised. Uh, and we were already aware of Dan Dare. I don't know how, but we were. Right. Hadn't read anything by him, but we're aware of the legend that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just turned nine at this point. And part of the attraction was indeed, as we look at the front cover, the free space spinner. Yes. Oh, it, it looks like the future when you see that on a TV advert. Doesn't it? Good R- Lord. Rather than, rather than just like the lid off a bit pot with some cakes in it. Right. <laughs> some tatty old bit of plastic that you can fling around your back garden. It's, got, it's got a sticker on it and it says space spinner. Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> well, actually, if you remember, if you remember, you see it on the on the bit there, where it says "free uh-huh. space spinner." Th- that was hollow. Th- 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 those did yes. bit, it wasn't yes. solid like a lid, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they did like a little bit of engineering to it, but still, yeah, yeah. you know, that's only yeah. so that the centre bit, the hollow bit, they they could use that as a badge in four issues time. That's right. That's right. Let's look at the cover. Um, it's How it's dragging it? people in. It's it's nice, I have to say. We've got There's a lot going on there. That was there ca- really that is. was catching my attention then on there. The Mekon. Arch enemy to Dan Dare. Yep. Um it's a given that he'd be on. Uh I would have thought. Um too obvious to put Dan on, but the Mekon, because he's as iconic as Dan Dare, I would argue. Well, you know what? We're catering for the space crowd now in nineteen eighty two. Kids We that, are catering kids, kids for sci fi lads. Exactly. Doctor Who Star Wars, Star Trek. You put Dan Dare in there, they're like, oh, great, it's about a 1950s pilot. I'll definitely buy that. Yeah, <laughs> not, not. I'll tell you what, we'll get them in. I mean, just so they just so that they uh, know that they're on the right right bag with this, just in case they weren't sure, and they're thinking, what's this eagle thing here? Doctor Who, Peter Davison, is one of the taglines advertising the content that's in. Yeah. I have some issues with the rest of it. <laughs> Daily Thompson. Pardon? Why? He gets a whole page on his own. It's fine. He's a sports personality. You leave him alone. Radio 1's Mike Reed. Pardon? We'll, why? We'll, we'll get to him. Brian Again, Robson. He's got his Pardon own column why? in it. And we'll, get, we'll definitely get to Brian Robson. Yes. There's there's the hat-trick. There's three pardon whys. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But nevertheless, nevertheless, the free space spinner on the front makes up for everything. Take yes. my money. <laughs> All 20 pence. Yep. That's a lot to a nine-year-old in 1982. So, you flip open the page. Page two. Don't you, though? Eagle Hotline. Eagle Hotline? You can hear the ringing in your ears. Yeah. Eagle Hotline, Eagle Hotline. We've got, we've got a lovely bit. A welcome from the star. You've got a short editorial. Which from is, David Hunt. Yeah, the editor. And he's just like yeah, going, yeah. oh, we've made a comic. Read the comic. He sounds really half-arsed. It's, yeah, I don't really think he's... Um, 
he like, does and he doesn't, because he does mention that he wants to break new ground in the world of publishing via the photo stories. Well, good luck with that, David. Well, yeah, you, presenting boys' adventure stories in photo strip form, that's the only new ground. Photo stories did already exist. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant, as in for boys. Because, you know, you look at any other edition of Just 17 or anything at the time, yeah. which I wasn't doing, but I knew these things existed with these tatty old tales of romance. Yes, yes. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a welcome from the stars. It, that was just going to say this very thing. More importantly, we get a welcome it's, from the stars. It's, it's glorious and it's made up mm-hmm. as absolute fuck. Absolutely. <laughs> this wouldn't be allowed. This wouldn't be allowed now. You've got a series of photographs of um, uh-huh. personalities, all middle-aged men. That's fine. Yes. A little speech bubble coming off them, saying what, saying what they've said. Now, this whole thing here, this, right, before we yeah. get into what they're saying, this is Shades of Back to the Future three years early here, the minute you open it, every, everyone in this is going, I used to read this way back in the 1950s, which is the equivalent now of nostalgically relaunching a comic which started in 1991. Yes, yeah, yes. In fact, given that the relaunched Eagle wrapped in 94, I'd say this is ready for another reboot now. Agreed. Agreed. It would sink without a trace, like, but... Of course it, it would. Yeah. Of course it would. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, um, can I applaud uh, the photographer... Because they've managed to make Peter Davison look like Arthur Mullard. <laughs> what does, How? What, I don't know, but they have. Well, what does Peter Davison say? I think he said this is part of his interview, which we'll get to later on. You've got to bear in mind, the, the editor of Eagle, David Hunt, has phoned up all of these people that he knows, that he definitely yes. knows, and he's gone, yes. guys, I want you to do me... I don't know why he speaks like that. He's not a Hollywood producer. I want you to do me a quote to go in the inside of my new magazine. What's Peter Davison said? Peter Davison is saying that he'll enjoy seeing Dan Dare and the Mekon again. That's it. That's all he says. Imagine, yeah. imagine that's the only yeah. takeaway you've got from that. Ian yeah. Botham, beef... He's gone, good luck to the new Eagle. I hope you have a very long innings. And you're like, could could you not say something about Eagles, Ian, rather than just banging on about cricket again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why Ian Botham has decided that he'd like to look like Kenny Everett in this particular uh, edition, but there we are. I think we all know, but yeah, carry on. (laughs) Right, well, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Lenny Henry. (laughs) I fucking love what they've got him saying. There is no fucking way. The new eagle is definitely, and then okay, but it's spread out because that was like his catchphrase at the time. I, w- I won't do the voice. Yeah. We'll get letters, rightly so. We'll get letters. But, yeah, right. Yeah, but Im- but imagine that. that. His imagine, yeah. imagine you phoned up Leonard Hendred and he's gone, what, what, what can I say about that? Well, I can say that the new eagle is definitely okay. And they're like, is, it, is, is that all you've got, Lenny? Yes, that's all yeah. you're getting. <laughs> Unless, uh, unless yes. I've got a full-page interview or something going on in there, that's all you're getting out of me. Who the fuck is John Bond? He looks like a football-type person, like a manager-type person, though. Right. I've no idea. I haven't, I haven't Googled him. There we go. I'm, I'm guessing purely from his photo. Considering, you know, the, the, the magnitude of the stars that go before him, he seems an odd choice. I'm I don't sh- know. You know what? I'm sure in 1982 we didn't know. We've got... <laughs> We've got a little panel yeah. explaining what your free gift is and that there's a free gift coming in the next issue. Uh, let me tell you now, I'm buying it for the badge. I fucking am as well. <laughs> I want immense. that badge. Yes. Yeah, it is a great badge. Um, we've got a, I've got a little piece there on the uh, on three of the photographers that are working on the photo strips in here. That's nice. 
they normally get nothing but a byline. Oh, you mean uh, how times change? Yes. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The new artists, the men who capture the action on film for our exciting photo stories. Move on to the um, the wanted oh, section. You've got the same bit I have as well, haven't you? I've only I've only underlined one bit out of this. Go on. It's 1982 here. They're basically, this is a, a small panel in this page asking for you to, to write in about stuff. They're desperate for content, right? So yep. they're like, they're just fucking throwing everything at us. Wanted. And I quote, glamorous teacher. Have you a dishy miss at your school? If so, send us her photograph. There are chocks and flowers for miss and money for you if you win. This is absolutely horrendous. I know this is aimed at prepubescent boys, but what the fuck kind of behaviour is this creating? <laughs> right. <laughs> what the hell is? Do you, they, they've got pissed in the office down at the, at the in the editorial, and yep. they've they've said, "Can we get away with this?" This is for a laugh. What can we get past Dave Hunt? What won't, yes, what yes. won't he notice? <laughs> yes, Dave. If you're listening, you should be ashamed. There we go. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, let's turn over the page. Are we ready to turn over the page? Always. I'm not ready to discover what we find on the next page. <gasps> I hope you're sitting on the toilet. Oh, what? It's the first of our photo stories, folks. Doom Lord. I'll have you know that an alien stalks the Earth. Doom yeah. Lord. Yes. Mm. This is written by Alan Grant. The photography is done by Gary Compton, as uh, mentioned on the previous page. So this is Eagle's brand new ongoing photo story about Ian Doomlord, an alien from the planet Nox, who he says he's come to judge everyone, but he has in fact already made up his mind. So he'll do some mm -hmm. minimal admin before completely obliterating humanity. I didn't realise it in 1982, but he is my spirit animal. Well, yes, there is that. He is the servant of Nox. I'm assuming Barbara. Yes, yes. Right, right, that's fine. That's and her fine. sister, Opportunity. Yes, 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 I'm absolutely. not sorry. <laughs> uh, master of life and bringer of death, that's I'll right. have you know. Now, yeah. it, it should come as no surprise uh, mm. to anyone by now for you to learn that when I was a child, I was fucking terrified of Doomlord. I wasn't, oddly enough. Okay. Usually, okay. at this point, I would say I was mortified. <laughs> uh no, I was not. Absolutely not. We'll get on to this. PeggyManPod.com. Have a look on the show notes. There is a link. You can download and have a look at this as we're flipping through. You should have done that already. You should have done the, mm. the homework. Um, yes, yes, and, yes. And, and just see the, do the Doom Lord. It's... I was transfixed and terrified at the same time. It's the fact that it's done with photographs rather than just illustration. So what you're seeing, what I'm seeing, just like feels very real as a kid. I'm like, this is... I didn't believe it was an alien. I knew it was a photo story, but there's something horribly real about it. I couldn't quite work out what was going on there. And the mask is one thing, but it's the fact that you can see the human eyes buried within that skull-like face, which used to freak us out. That shattered the illusion for me. He looks like he's wearing Widow Twanky's frock from the Sutherland Empire, Panto. Yes. That's also terrifying. Yes. yes. Well, yeah, well, I, I get that. And every scene, inside, outside, day or night, is uplit to fuck. <laughs> Completely yes, unnatural, but yes. creepy as hell. So what happens is, when you annoy Doomlord, he does that thing where, like, he holds your head, mm. hand at either side, your eyes go white, you collapse on the ground. 
he uses his ring to make you disappear. You you just fucking go. Then he just assumes you the form of your body and just carries on as if he's you, lion. Yeah. And it's like, what what the fuck is this? How how if that happened to me, how would people know mm. that you know Mini Black out there? It's not him. It's Doom Lord. That is quite a frightening concept. The shape shifting bastard. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he, he does this in the story. He shape shifts into. Innocent victim, PC Bob Merton. That's right. So, yeah, so after that, they try and make the reporter think that he's just, like, seeing things, that he's gone a bit mad. And it's like, oh, talk sense, Howard. You can see I'm quite all right. That's PC Bob there. And he goes, the ring, it's the same one that the creature had. And the chief superintendent's like, (laughs) that's rich. First he's dead, now he's a blooming alien. Take my advice, son. Give up reporting and start writing fiction. You've got too much imagination. What's in store? I mean, Howard Harvey is not satisfied with what's going on here. Howard Harvey suspects there's, there's a rabbit off here. Yes. And you think, Howard Harvey, if you're going to make it to the end of this story over the weeks, yep. the, the further on you go, the more certain it is that you're going to end up absolutely fucked. Yeah, absolutely. Because Doom Lord has got plans. Yes. And his final final quote is that if his mission reaches the expected conclusion, it will result in the annihilation of the the whole human race. That's right. How and why? But we'll find that out in future episodes, I'm sure. But um, it just seems a bit pointless, that. But anyway, right, <coughs> fair enough. Fair enough, Doom Lord. No worries, mate. No worries. Ooh, so we'll put that down. Put that down. We, we get into a, a s- standard convention of such magazines and we want to hear from the readers. We do. Don't know how, because this is issue one. So who's written in? Where have they written into? It does say, right, at the top of this letter section, it's called Big Mouth. It's not a normal... Big Mouth. It's, it's not a normal letter section. It says, Want to give someone a blast and let off steam? Well, Big Mouth is the place to do it. But to dish it out, you've got to be able to take it too. Yep. These yep. letters yep. were taken from the IPC post bag. So these weren't written to Eagle. These were just written to IPC publishing. They I've cover no, themselves. I've no fucking idea what magazine, when we when you find out what these letters are, I've no fucking idea what magazine it would be suitable to write these to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to be fair, they have covered themselves there. I didn't pick up on that. All right, good, good. We've got a, a pair of... Needlessly provocative and attention-seeking letters designed yes. to get opinionated ten-year-olds writing in, starting some sort of pre-digital flame war. That, that's they're literally shit stirring here. Um, they are. Yeah, absolutely insane. One of one of the one of the letters. Mm-hmm. I, I was swearing on the bus the other day, and what's the fucking problem with that, you shithouse? Yes, Paul E from London. Oh dear me. What would it might have helped here is if he'd written his letter to to IPC magazines, but including the same profanity that was used on the bus. (laughs) Precisely this. That would have impressed me more. So he's from London, so... Recently, I was larking around on a bus with some of my mates when a woman told us that we ought to mind our language and she was shocked at the words we were using. If my mates and I use swear words, that's up to us. We're not asking other people to listen in on our conversations. People should mind their own business. And the reply from the editor yeah. of, of Eagle is, That's great, Paul. Why don't you fuck off? Pretty much. You dish it out, you can take it. Get to fuck. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, hey, it's, he gets £3 for that. 
He did, I don't think he gets the, I think people in the future get three pound. They pulled them out of the IPC post bag before the three pound deal was implemented. They get, uh, they, they're yeah, getting yeah. fuck all. Clever. And we got Stephen from Canvey Island. Basically, he's a kid who's got a bicycle and he thinks that all motorists are arseholes. Yeah. Yes, he does. That's it. Nice inflammatory opinions from the readers there. I, I like the way he signs off his letter. Motorists act as if they own the roads. And then the reply, again from the editor, is like, well, they certainly pay for the fuckers, unlike you, you little shithouse. Oh. But yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to shock you here. Kids are tough. Mm. Yeah, they are. Kids. Kids are tough. Nine-year-old Darren. We've got a story about him at the top of the page. Darren, yeah. Darren defies thugs. I've no idea where they got this from. This feels like it's been pulled from a local paper and just reprinted yeah. wholesale. Definitely. Apparently, nine-year-old Darren was at home with his grandmother when armed men broke into the house. Armed men? This has come from a nine-year-old, remember? Uh, it could have come from his grandmother, but she's not got a picture in the paper there. Despite threats, Darren refused to say where the family safe was kept. The plucky youngster only gave in when one of the thugs said that they would injure Darren's mother on her return home. Who's got a safe in the 1980s in their house? Where does he live? Wayne fucking Manor. There is this. I'm thinking, what, was the fucking butler out as well? Ah. <laughs> but this, despite threats, Darren refused to say where the family safe was kept. The plucky youngster only gave in when... Oh, so if he gave in, he did tell them where the family safe was kept then. Why Why the fuck are you running this piece? <laughs> I can understand his reluctance looking at the photograph that's included and seeing that he's got... A mouthful of teeth, like a pan of burnt chips. But... <laughs> Whatever. And his mother's been cutting his hair in the dark. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> While she was in a bag. But, yeah. Darren, Darren, get in touch. <laughs> we, we'll have yeah, you on to give your side of the story from 1982. I want to hear all about it. We'll get ITV to make a primetime Sunday night drama out of it. It'll be great. To be fair, Darren, you were a hero, if the story's true, which I believe the story. Uh, you were a hero. Well done, mate. Well done. Well, well done for finally giving in when the... I mean, did they not threaten the grandmother? It just says they threatened his mother, who wasn't even there. Anyway, from the crime-ridden to something as beige as the fucking trousers he wears. Yes, it's an eagle interview on Peter Davison. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Who better to start our series of Eagle interviews than Peter Davison, star of the popular Doctor Who television series? We tracked Peter down at London Airport just before we flew off to America. London Airport. They've, right. only, got, they've only got the fucking one, are they right? <laughs> just before he flew off to America. No, he didn't fly in the TARDIS. He went by jet! OK. Um, he spends half of it... Well, actually, not a lie. He doesn't spend half of it. Half of the questions he's asked are about all creatures great and small... Holding the fort, sink or swim. They don't give a fuck about Doctor Who at the Eagle, really. <laughs> they should, because of the readership, but they don't. Yes, precisely. I remember, sink or, I remember the episode of Sink or Swim where Peter Davison crushed a hamster in the pocket of his snorkel when he was at the railway station. I remember that. <laughs> and I haven't seen that series since its first transmission. So that shows you what effect that had on me. The man crushed a hamster. There you are. <laughs> the questions they've asked them, though, right? The, f the first one, they talk about all his past stuff and go, which part have you found the most difficult? All right, it's, it's not a bad opener. Okay, but there we go. Um, mm. 
do you prefer comedy to serious acting? Right? Fair. You're in All Creatures Great and Small. Are you particularly interested in animals? How do you relax? If you weren't an actor, what would you be? Did you ever read comics when you were a youngster? And what is your favourite food? Who's doing this interview? A fucking nine-year-old. I know, but it can be argued that it is for that readership, so they're kind of going on their level. What is your favourite food, for fuck's sake? Well, it's Weetabix and milkshakes. What the fuck's wrong with a man? He could live on them. <laughs> I think that's just what he said, because he was caught on the hop, because he didn't fucking expect to be asked that. Because he wanted them off the phone. <laughs> no, 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 he's at London Airport, isn't he? He's in the fucking departure lounge. Oh, that's <laughs> They're right, ringing the fucking yeah, bell yeah. for his fight, and he's like, can I go? We, we flick over to page nine. I'm not aware of this. Waddington's Popaways. I was never aware of this as was, a thing. Do you remember these? I didn't have any, but I vaguely remember them. It's sort of like a, a pop-up. No, I don't. It's sort of like a pop-up building that you buy. All various sizes. The, it's like yeah, a diorama. Yeah, there's, you know, there's sort of like yeah. a, there's, a, there's a shop, there's a church, there's a there's like an actual office block, uh, there's a railway station. So you... For the railway station, you see a bit of train track down there, so you can buy, like bits to stick next to your train track. I get why that exists. And yeah, you sort of build up this kind of pop-up town next to it. It's I mean, it's fine, you know. This is ideal if you were like the likes of ourselves who we had a collect we had collected we we had collections of corgi cars guess, and that yeah. sort of thing. This would have been ideal. We had, if you remember, cast your mind back, we had a Beatties shop in the centre of Newcastle yes. upon Tyne. And it was glorious. It was big. It had all kinds in it. It had a train going around the <laughs> bloody shop. A little miniature train set that used to run round the roof, round the ceiling. Yep. Cracking. It didn't have popaways. I would have bought popaways <laughs> to uh, put a bit of life into my I would imagine, scenes with my I would imagine cars. the Beaties would look down on popaways. I think Beaties, you're probably Beaties right, you know. Beaties want you to fucking go up the back and buy the actual models, mate. <laughs> you know. <laughs> they don't want... They want they I want, think you're right, they actually. They don't want you to spend like... It says from around 79p each. Beaties, they're like, get the fucking paper yeah. money out. It's a fiver minimum spend in here. Excuse me, mister, have you got any popaways? Why didn't you pop off? <laughs> fucking popaways? What do you want that for? Never mind, that's that's uh, Warrington's popaways at pocket money prices. Um... Let's let's fast forward onto the next page, to a pocket money oh, for, poster. Uh, what is this? This is this is personality I plus. Fucking That's what this love. Is. They've designed their own logo thing to go in the top left corner. And yes, they've called this full page, full color feature, personality plus. Yeah. And in the first ever one, they've got someone with no personality. You know, there used to be a program on uh, ITV uh, called Afternoon right. Plus, hosted by renowned journalist Mavis right. Nicholson. And that plus there, I'm sure, is the font. Directly lifted from the Afternoon Plus logo. I'm That's convinced of it. There is, on the right-hand side, full height of the page, a picture of footballer Brian Robson doing a football out in a field. Um, you've got a paragraph on him, and then it moves on to, like, a bit of a competition for a book that's about 150% the size of the paragraph they've written. They say precisely nothing about Brian Robson other than the fact that he has a fiercely competitive attitude. He's a sportsman, mate. That's part of the job. Right. You might as well tell us that he's got two legs. Right. Fucking hell. Then, if that wasn't enough, turn the page. Oh! Thunderbolt and Smokey. Now, before we go any further, given that name and there was no image, right? If you were just given that yeah. name, right? 
What would nine-year-old Blackout think this was about? I would think this is going to be like uh, an American road trip, crime caper right. chase, basically smoking in the bandit. There's going to be cars, there's going to be men with moustaches, there's going to be, like, police shaking their fists at the sky as the, as the, the anti-heroes get away, that kind of thing. Is it? Is, is it that? I would have thought it was like a cowboy yeah, thing. Yeah, fair. Yeah, also, so we, yes. we've, we've, we're, 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 we're both detecting an American feel here. We are, yeah, aren't we? What we get instead is a five-page photo story about kids' football. Yes. We've got the characters are Dexter Thunderbolt and Smokey Beckles. I am not making these names up. That That is actually what they are. Smokey Beckles <laughs> yes. is incredible. I'm actually... I am actually... Uh, I've booked a taxi and I'm going to Deepport. <laughs> and... At the start of this, they're on opposing teams from different schools, and both of them only really give a shit about football. Smokey starts a Thunderbolt school, and this needs to be the mm-hmm. longest feature in the magazine, apparently. Deadfield school, in fact. I am quite pleased with that. Because it's Deadfield, because they're no, no good on the football field, but the school has a great academic record, but they're crap at sports. No, that's li- that has I literally like that. been written in for the second panel, where they go... No wonder they've nicknamed Deadfield the Dead Loss School. And the other kids start going, Dead Loss! Dead Loss! And we'd come. Yep. Kids wouldn't be there. They'd be shouting, Dead Shit. <laughs> yes. I mean, Smokey Beckles, though, let's face it, that sounds like a filter from Snapchat. <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic... <laughs> it is a fantastic name. It's weird. Half of the photography in this, from uh, John Powell... Mm. It's not bad. He's capturing the movement quite well. Of It's not Doom Lord where it's all kind of paused. This is about sport. You need to capture a bit of movement. Half the time he's getting it really right. The rest of the time, yeah, it looks fucking dreadful. It's just... <laughs> look like you're running, but stay still so I can take the photo. What? Give it fair credence, though. It, it, all right, it's a little bit meta, but... I'd love to know where this kind of fits in with the timeline because um, prior to creating Inspector Morse, Colin Dexter has started Deadfield yes, School. Yes, I noticed this as well, yes. It's, it's Colin Dexter and he is he is Thunderbolt. <laughs> he gets that name because he belts the ball like hell and someone says, what a Thunderbolt! Yep. And a nickname is born. A nickname is born. Now, what it is, he's either got a superpower here or he's just absolutely learned to channel his temper. You know what? We've already got Billy's boots and hotshot Hamish. They're much better than this. I don't even give a fuck about football. Well, and they're doing it better. Why, why, why are we doing this? So, long story short, too late. Smokey joins the school, but, but... He's, he's not joining that team, is he, fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, he's like, do you want to join our team? No, I like football. <laughs> he's right. like, if you, if you remember... I single-handedly kicked the arse of your team last weekend. Why would I want to join that shithouse? <laughs> Thunderbolt's like, <laughs> he's got a point. Um, <laughs> Mind you, Thunderbolt is determined to get him to join the team. Look at that fist clench on the last mm-hmm. panel. That, 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 that is the, the, the image of a typical megalomaniac. <laughs> Isn't it? What's, he's all... Soon I will rule the world. It's, there's something really weird. He's all really hunched over when he's doing it as well. It's not an angry yeah, Chris yeah. That's a really kind of pensive, or no, or no I is. think I just followed through, that kind of... <laughs> oh, you've just read my mind there. <laughs> We've got to tune in next week, of course. We've got to buy next week's issue to find out what happens. Oh, what a surprise. The title of next week's story is Out of the League. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> 
Join us for issue three. Expelled. <laughs> anyway, we turn the page. May, moving on to the next strip. And can I just say, the police like him. Men who streetwise. <laughs> You're not supposed to read it like this. Come on, come on. I am. Had need of men stayed. <laughs> it says, the police had need of men like him. Which I think is very... It's nice of them to admit that, and I'm fully fucking behind them. Come on. <laughs> uh, you could be right. You could be right. So, bit of mystery here, because we don't know what's going on. We're faced with another photo story. Sergeant Streetwise. Sergeant Streetwise. Written, written by G. Finley Day. That's a pseudonym, if ever heard one. Absolutely. Um, we've got Dave Watts taking the photos for this. Another photo strip. Now, I wasn't asked by this back in the day, but reading it now, it's pretty great because of how fucking crackers it is. It's fucking nuts. I would watch a, a film yes. made of this. Sergeant Streetwise is an undercover cop called Detective Sergeant Wise who's great at going undercover, providing his cover is being a catalogue model pretending to be a tramp. Yep. Now, because this guy's next to invisible in urban environments, he always catches the crooks and then moves on to the next job, ensuring that the criminals he's just caught get a good full look at his face for the future and to tell their friends about. <laughs> this, is fucking, this is fucking great. But never without a slick line to be delivered just before the impact. I quote, You, Burt Reynolds, hold it, you busted. I'm having that tattooed on me arse. A, a slick line and a pout. All I'm going to say is... He's a good-looking guy. That's it. He you know, is. He fucking he knows it. But <laughs> oh, doesn't he, though? Doesn't he, though? So, yeah, he's a Sergeant Streetwise. He's slouching down on the pavement. He's been a... In fact, a couple of the old Bill turn-up, even they don't know that it's Sergeant Streetwise. On London Street in the early hours. The early hours, it's broad fucking daylight, man. The only movement comes from a passing police car. And one of the coppers is like, an old tramp sleeping rough. Oi, Wurzel, I don't want to see you in this street next time we come past. Got it? So on your feet and move along. You're like, do you not know that's Detective Sergeant Streetwise you're talking to, mate? What the fuck? You're going to be fucking embarrassed. Um. Anyway, yeah, it turns out the um, the, the Sly Tramp is actually staking out a couple of people who've been staking yeah. out a jewellers, and he's about, to, he's, about, he's about to bust their raids. So that's where he's like the... You, Burt Reynolds. Why, why does he call him Burt Reynolds? Has he got a moustache? No. Neither of the robbers have no. moustaches. Why does he call him Burt Reynolds? I think it's because they're trying to be the tough guy and the hero, and he was the guy at the time, wasn't he? I'm Burt not Reynolds, saying that you know, was... Burt Reynolds is of limited talent, but he's only really... It's like Tom Selleck. He's only famous for one thing. It's the moustache, isn't it? You know, yeah. really. Otherwise, it's just oh, it's just a bloke. It doesn't fucking matter apart from that. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, he's, yeah, um, yeah. he's busted... Burt Reynolds. I'll tell you something, though. The violence in this comic... It is fucking mental. It's, just, it, it's a constant fight scene. It's only two and a half pages it long. Is. Yeah, the robber's like, whoever you are, you asked for it. And he goes, yeah, he's pinned my hands with that bit of old rope off his coat. I, d I would definitely be saying this in the middle of a fight. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. And Sergeant Streetwise, I've been stringing you along, mug. <laughs> yeah. And they all talk like this because then the other robber in a thought bubble is like, he's Ned Pete. I'll get him for that. He's about to have a motor accident. <laughs> yes. It, it's all... Oh. It is... It's all it, there. Fuck me. It's mental. So they go back to the police station and, I mean, it's discussed uh, about Sergeant Streetwise. It's revealed. Oh, he, he works for yeah. us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
only one guy in the police station knows about this. That's right. Who, quite frankly, could just be hallucinating, but yeah. He's clearly gone full-on method with his disguises, because it is actually pointed out in one panel that he stinks of the human shit. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> deep undercover. Deep, deep in the shit. He gets changed into another disguise ready for the next mission. And can I just point out that the, the leather jacket that he's wearing is very much worthy of the world of pop and rock. It is. He looks like he's about to be uh, playing the guitar for the Sisters of Mercy. Absolutely. Yes. yes. He goes, uh, now I've got a new identity. No one will know me for a copper. That's the way it has to be at my job. When <laughs> you have to stay streetwise and that's it he's walking off by some bins in the end in a leather jacket and you're like that's right no one's gonna know what he looks like just going around showing his face exactly like that tramp was except now he's a tramp in a shiny leather jacket well done that's right you know what i like most about all of this i've looked online no one seems to know the name of the guy who was sergeant streetwise in the strip and he's been photographed this isn't an illustration the guy's just disappeared that's how good he is at blending in Bearing in mind, like I said, this model, heroes. he fucking loves himself and he's got to be gutted now. He's Googling himself and everyone's like, don't know who that is. <laughs> no idea. He's a mystery man. Always smelling of shit in a different court. <laughs> uh-huh. Next week, what have we got to look forward to? The Thames Gang. Who's this? Tom O'Connor and Sooty. <laughs> Regardless, that's what next week's episode is. Oh. Who knows what's going to happen in that? But, uh, in fact... This whole comic is who knows what's going to happen next because at the at the bottom at the end <laughs> of this randomly fucking randomly we have what is supposed to be a reproduction of comedian Jim Davison's school report what is that's my question <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've done they've they've dedicated half a page to a fake school report for Jim Davidson. little picture of him on there. But they've forgotten to make it either funny or interesting. Yes. Why, why does this fucking exist? Uh, this is the report that Jim got when he was in class 4A of his secondary school. Wonder what the staff would have said about his humour. Probably that it was uh, divisive and lewd. But all the report was just like English. Very good. Uses intelligence well. Writes interesting and thoughtful work. Arithmetic. Very good. History. Good. Geography. Good. He's quick and bright, has tried hard, he uses his imagination. You're like, why Why are we reading this? Yeah. Why, why have you... Are you that pushed for content that you've literally made this up? Because if this is real, it's not worth fucking printing. If it isn't real, it's not worth fucking printing. Yeah. <laughs> also, just to the side of this, um, they're banging on again about the, the rush for Eagle. They mentioned this in the editor's letters at the beginning. Yes, 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 yes. That... Yes. Eagle's going to be popular. Get out there, get your copy ordered. Make sure you get it. You know get what? It pre-ordered. All the time they're doing these free gifts, I'm inclined to agree with them. Well, the minute they dry up, I'll take my chances. I'll just see if it's on the shelf. You've got the bit about, like, you know, the, there's the little form that you cut out, sent to your newsagent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says above that, there's only one sure way of getting a copy of Eagle every week. See your newsagent today and ask him to send or reserve you a copy. Ask him... To send yes. or reserve you, and you're like, this is fucking dishy miss again, isn't it? When I was yeah, nine yeah, years yeah. old, my news agent was a lady. So stick that up your ass. Not the news agent, mm. you editor. Sort this out. Absolutely. Appalling behaviour. Was it Marjorie? No, it was Brenda. <clears throat> I liked her better when she opened the chip shop. She was cracking with the ten pence mix up. And you also liked her sweets. Now it is worth mentioning at this point that in the middle of the Sergeant Streetwise strip in the original comic, we do get what is arguably 
the main draw yes. for this re-release of Eagle. Yes, folks, hero Dan Dare is back. Indeed he is. Now, ag- Full colour. Now, again, I didn't really give much of a shit about Dan Dare back in the 1980s because he seemed like yeah. too much of a throwback to everything that was wrong with sci-fi in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Reading this now, it isn't too bad at all. No, nah, it's all right. Not least because Dan Dare right. isn't really in it. He's dead. That's right. Spoiler. <laughs> hey! <laughs> this is set 200 years after the old comics... Yeah, yeah. The Mekong's been locked away in that. He comes out. He's been locked in a rock. Yeah, he doesn't know how long he's been locked away for, but it's been 200 years. So then he comes out and he's surprised that everyone he knows is dead. Yeah, yeah. That sounds quite melancholy. It's not. He's fucking fuming. Uh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> boiling. The Mekong is incredibly camp, though, and I'm here for that. Encased in a rock, floating through time and space. Uh-huh. And then there are some gentle, unassuming folk from the planet... Korzak, who accidentally free him. Yeah, yeah, like some miners come across him. Just go, I mean, to be fair, mate, encasing him in an asteroid and belting that out into space feels a bit optimistic, doesn't it? Well, you know, that does. That'll be space is big. He will never be found. And you're like, you could have just knacked him with a hammer, made sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially when, when, when he's been sentenced, right? The judge, he says, and I'm quoting, you have been found guilty of every crime possible against our people. What? What? Every crime? All of them? Not returning your library books? Five years in the rock. <laughs> the Mekon's been found guilty of doing an hour's free parking at a city centre, but then returning to a different spot on the same street within an hour of leaving there. Has, has the Mekon been found guilty of leading cows down a street within the Metropolitan Police District during daylight hours in clear contravention of the 1867 law prohibiting this? I mean, what the fuck? Right. Has the Mekon been found guilty of making copies of Jet Set Willy 2, then selling them down the Saturday market because a mate of his has got a colour photocopier at work and he's done in the sheets of the copyright protection matrix on the inside cover? You know what? Prison's too good for the Mekon. That's what I say. Don't bring your own past into this with that last one. <laughs> Don't bring your own past into this. No, I, no, I didn't buy copies from down the market. Especially not when you can't guarantee the colours are going to be right. I mean, fucking hell. <laughs> so, yes... These these people, these gentle people, have freed him. Mm-hmm. And we're just getting into the story when, whoop, it cuts. And that's when it continues through to the rest of the story. This is the centrefold, essentially, of the comic, um, which is which is all fair enough. This but. is the thing you see. They printed it on the centre pages so they can go full colour. Then it continues on yeah. the back page. So, again, they can print full colour because that's printed at the same time as the front. Bosh, there you go. It's a bit clunky to read, but I see why they've done it. I, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. So back to the comic timeline itself. Mm-hmm. Just after Jim Davison's school report, we have a story entitled The Tower King. Yeah. Now this one's a... It's like an artwork. It's a drawn strip. Yeah, yeah. Post-apocalyptic adventure tale set in London where a mm-hmm. massive array of solar panels in space has somehow gone wrong which caused all electricity on Earth to stop working. I've already explained that as well as the comic does. What happens next is some crackers zombie tramps go living in the underground while a man called Mick Tempest takes charge in the Tower of London and he kicks off every time they come up looking for food, i.e. people. These microwaves have got a lot to answer for, mind, haven't they? You know? Again, I didn't used to like this. And again, I don't mind it at all now. It's all right. I can see what it's doing in mashing up, you know, sort Mm -hmm. of contemporary societal angst of the time with a bit of medieval action. Everyone's on fucking horses because there's no electric. I know, I had a problem with this, though. I mean, 
We inter- when we're introduced to the, this certain Mr Mick Tempest, what's he got on? What's he wearing him? It looks like some sort of leather patchwork armour. I bet he stinks. Well, it is. I bet he stinks. Oh, lifting to the high heaven. It's 1982. He... All he's got by way of fresh water is the Thames. Fuck me. You could, if you walked too right. close to it, you could die in those days. It's a fact. Um, he's clearly someone who was a member of a historical reenactment society. Yeah, I think he had all um, that gear. Just, he's, been wait- yeah, he's been waiting for this, hasn't he? Waiting for it. Lo and behold, the earth is in utter crisis, and you know he's loving every minute of this. Yes. The, the, the unimaginable <laughs> psychopath that the man is. <laughs> I'm assuming he also he's adopted the name Tower King for himself. He is loving it. Yep, yep. He's definitely thought of that nickname. The artists have gone wild. Uh-huh. Um, some of the devastation scenes, they're actually really effective. They're really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure about the food, food <laughs> section when they're talking about people are starving. It's a kid-friendly zombie story, isn't it? Well, it is, yeah. We're not quite in sort of scream territory, but you do what you can. Bit of post-apocalyptic. It's yeah. Was this before or after Mad Max? Do you think it could have been in reaction to that? Uh, well, Mad Max was 83. What, the first one? Yeah. Okay. In that case, this definitely inspired Mad Max. In fact, I think when Mad Max came about, Mick Tempest walked over to him and said, Hey, mate, we don't need another hero. There you go. I'll let you get away with that once. Right? Just once. (laughs) Just once. The tube rats, they aren't pleasant. They aren't pleasant. They live in, in the underground, and Mick Tempest isn't amused. He's not suited by them. Mind. I would go as far as to say, now correct me if I'm being harsh, I would go as far as to say that the tube rats are... Rude and ill-mannered. Oh, yes. They, they absolutely are. And again, they stink even worse than Mick. Oh, lift Because they live in the in the dicky dark the mm-hmm. entire time, they wear goggles. Yeah. So when they come up onto the surface and into the real world, they've got to wear these goggles just to, to, so their eyes can cope. Yep. Mick Tempest, when he's, when he's hoying a hoolie, um, he belts one of them in the mouth and the goggles come off. There is a caption that actually says, Eee, me goggles! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I enjoyed immensely. I enjoyed that bit. Ooh. Then yeah, he knocks him down some steps. Yep. Back into the, uh, back in it. Right. He, here's the thing. Right. Mm. At the end of this first strip, Mick reckons he's won the day. Right against the zombie tramps by fighting them back into the passenger entrance of Bank Tube Station, which is on the central Northern and Waterloo City lines. Then mm. he blows it up, and he goes, "Yeah, that'll stop them using this way out." One day, we'll find enough explosive to seal every underground entrance in the city. Mick, there are over 270 tube stations. Even, yes. even at this point, Bank has got 15 different entrances. That's before you get to all the staff and the maintenance access and just points on the tracks where the tube tunnels open into overground sections. I don't know how much ordnance you think is lying around EC3, Mick, but you'd really be better off just fucking moving out of London. Absolutely this. He hasn't thought Absolutely this through. He really, he really no. fucking hasn't. Yes. Notwithstanding, does the congestion charge apply to horses? I don't know. It probably will in that situation. And if he hasn't got all that to contend with, someone gives him a pair of binoculars, he looks through them and, oh, my God, what's heading their way? It's a locomotive full of folk who are not happy. Yeah, apparently there's, like, there's no electric, but they can get steam trains running on the overground lines. Now, obviously, I I know he's in the Tower of London... And I'm thinking, oh, which which line is he looking at here? It's like I'm not convinced this would be, yeah, I'm not convinced this would be uh, this would be working. But yeah, well, that leads us to the um, to the cliffhanger because next week it's battle for the tower. So who knows what's going to happen there? 
There's, I think there'll be a battle for the tower. There's going to be fucking hell on, is what's going to happen. There's going to be absolute hell on. At yep. least they're in the open air, though, so we can get rid of the stench. <laughs> anyway. We flick over the page, and of course we're going to have an advert for some model aircraft. Yep. Of course we are in a mag like this, you'd expect it. I'd be amazed if there wasn't. Absolutely this. Did you, did you ever bother with such things? Once or twice I wasn't very good at it, so, you know, stuck to Star yeah. Wars figures after that. Same here. I had a mate who had some pre-made models. His brother was older than him, so he had Lancaster Bomber, Spitfire, that kind of thing. I was quite fascinated with them because they were quite well made. Mm-hmm. I tried it myself, but I didn't. I couldn't stick with a just a generic old thing. I got a, a Captain Scarlet Angel Interceptor okay. model kit, and uh, it didn't do too bad. But I lost patience. Yeah, um, it's just, I just found it too fiddly, too much arsing around. Because I'm like, I've got the Millennium Falcon down there that's already made though. I can just pick that up and start playing with it. Exactly, exactly. So that's fine. Um, we flick over. There's some continuity here. We've got a pull-out section for the, from the Eagle. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is for the F-15 Eagle. I mean, fair play. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a full page, again, full colour. It, it's what they call the Eagle data file. Absolutely. They give more details about this plane than they did with Brian Robson. I'll admit that much. We didn't want to do a cross-section of Brian Robson, really, um, so I'm, I'm pleased about that, but we get a lot of detail about this, don't we? Needless. <laughs> what does concern me, however, in the bottom right corner, is there's a section at the bottom which yep. allows you to fill in date, sighted, and location. Can I just point out that if I'm, if I'm seeing one of these in the flesh, I'm clearly in a fucking war zone, so I'm not stopping to fill in the form <laughs> in the Eagle comic. Right, I'm away home. Literally right next to it, the text next to that box. If you spot the F-15 at an air show, award yourself 25 points. Make a note of where and when you saw it. Each yeah. item we feature in the series will score a certain number of points. See how many points you can collect. This is aimed at kids who go to air shows. Fair play. Yeah, no fucking air. No, no, balls. I don't read the small print. Anyway... <laughs> I need something to take my mind off that because it's all been gruesome and war-related and whatever. Do you know what I need? I need to look at a page from Daily's Diary. Daily's Diary. This is fucking mint. I mean... Daily Thompson's agent has phoned him up and he's gone, we've got a great PR opportunity for you. The boys' comic Eagle, they're looking for a regular contributor from a sports personality. Bunch of short pieces each week, 70 to 90 words, keep it light, pays pound, pound, pounds. Interested? And Daily's gone... If I can write the first fucking gibberish that comes into my head and have it published without editorial interference, yes. I'm just impressed that his agent didn't sound like a Hollywood producer. It's the first I time am, that's I ever happened well, in yeah. the history well, of the Peggy Man Calamity Hour. But that's <laughs> fine, fine. That's good. This is Daly's weekly look at sport. Well, he says that. Right. He's, he's fucking wittering on about Noutman. About fuck all. <laughs> Str- strange names. What's, what's this space filler all about? <laughs> I'm glad to hear that my friend, that's his voice, I'm glad to hear that my friend, Alan Wells, the Olympic 100 metres champion, is settling in well at his new house in Guildford. Yeah, tell everyone he's moved, why don't you just publish his fucking address, daily? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's just gone. It's not generally known that Alan's second name is Whipper, a most unusual name. When he says second name, I think he means middle name. Uh, yes, that's what I'm thinking. Some of our leading athletes have some noble Christian names. Seb Coe's second name, for example, is Newbold, and my full name is Francis Morgan, right? And what's your mother's maiden name, and your shoe size, and the name of your uh-huh. first pet? Fucking hell. Daily, oh. man, daily! <laughs> the, the only really useful little bit I found is in the uh, little section 
called Piccadilly. What, the bit where he gives away the, the bit at the end of the anecdote? Yeah. Where he, gives yes. away, he gives away the punchline to his own... I was going to call it a joke. It's not that. No, it's not at all. <laughs> um, but there's a line in there uh, mm-hmm. where, where Ian Botham has told somebody at the Headingley game, um, right then, let's give them some Humpty. I'm going to use that. I'm absolutely 100% sure that is really what Botham said by the time right. the, ed- the editors had looked down and gone, Daily, we can't fucking print that, mate. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's what he said, though. Yeah, but, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. And then, great mates. I mean, this, this is all about Kevin Keegan and Trevor Brookin essentially being replacements for Morecambe and Wise in, in any bedroom sketch that they ever did. Yeah. It's literally about them sharing a hotel room. Or that they're going to share lots of them in the future because they're they're great mates. Kevin Trev are great mates. The only point they disagree on is when they turn out the lights. Kevin prefers an early switch off, but Trev likes to read before he nods off. Has, has Daly moved house and moved regions? <laughs> yes, he's in Australia. His voice has changed. That's yes. fine. Um, that's it, though. That's the anecdote. He then just goes into, like, oh, he says he likes to read. Just starts talking yeah. about fucking some of his favourite authors. Some yep. of someone else's favourite authors. And you're like, daily, daily, daily. Is there not sport you need to be talking about here? You've got yeah, a page yeah. to yourself, man. I don't, I don't want to know that Trevor Brooken likes Sidney Sheldon. I don't want to know. <laughs> not asked. A marathon a day. He's banging on about marathons. Oh, the, the popularity of marathons is growing. And then he says... Uh, you know, in, in America, um, there's 350 races taking place uh, uh, this year across in America. Mind you, if you ran all of them, you'd be pretty exhausted. You'd be dead, Daly. <laughs> That's right, Daly. Finish, finish on an exclamation mark. A bit, a bit of humour for the, for the kids, yes. I've had enough of light and trivial... Let's, let, let, let's have some eerie suspense, shall we? Oh, this is what I need. Let's have, let's have something to put the willies right up. Let's have a look and find out more about the collector. The collector. Yeah, this is the um, a sort of weird tales anthology series they're starting here with a like a short cautionary story each week, a bit like Drama Rama but in print. Um, this is Eye of the Fish. It's about a father and son who go on a lovely fishing trip up the river, but they go past the sign which says no fishing past this sign, and then they do some fishing past the sign, and because of that, they have to be abducted by aliens and then killed. Yes, really. Yeah, yes. That is the story. That is the story. Is it just me, or is the collector Ray Bradbury? He is a bit. Sitting yeah. there with a big, massive pile of rickety old shit next to him. There's a skull, there's a doll. It looks like there's a picture of Hitler in the background. It um, does. There's a birdcage, it's like a Chinese... Well, there's a birdcage next to it, it looks like there's a ribcage. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's like a Buddha mask. There's all kinds there. There's fucking all sorts. Is that a door handle next to the skull? A door handle and a mini grandfather clock. Oh no, it's not mini. I can see it's but yeah, it's a bit bigger than that. But um it's, it's, it's the collector is an illustration. Yeah. The story starts in photo. And then what I like hang on a sec. Yes. <laughs> what you like is the amalgamation between Yes, it the... starts it starts as a photo strip, then it changes into this hybrid of photo human characters against mm-hmm. illustrated aliens and backgrounds, at the I precise like moment where it becomes clear that there's no fucking way in hell the budget will allow for the sets to be built to tell all of this story in photos. That's right. Well, yeah, but it still works. I like their bravery on this. I like if, it. If anything, it reminds me of Captain Zepp, so I like this. Yeah, 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 very much. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes its audience work harder to suspend disbelief and get more out of the story. 
And this particular yeah. tale is all about punishing people unnecessarily who probably don't deserve that much, so it's all very in that- keeping. <laughs> yes, that's right. A child is killed and there's a discussion about cooking the father. Yeah, that's what they, you want. They literally pence. abducted by aliens. I mean, do the aliens... Did they put the sign there? Who knows? It's the, it's the subtext that the authorities... I mean, you know what I say, sign. The child. The child is crushed in an alien's hand. If you if you, if you look on page twenty seven, the panel in the bottom left, there's a bit where he goes, huh, "Looks like we'll have to pitch our stuff by this sign." That's the child, and there's this thing that says, "No fishing beyond this point." Uh-huh. But that's that's a thing that's been put on in post production. That's there's not a photo of the sign. No, that's right. In the next panel, we see a photo of the back of the sign, so we don't actually see the sign. The sign. They might have imagined the sign. I don't. There's there's more going on here than meets the eye. Abducted by aliens, giant aliens, uh-huh. poked by big scaly hands. Yep. And they they're basically going. Uh, what's an alien voice? Not a marvelous catch. The, <laughs> the big one dodged around a bit. You did well to land it. I tried. It tried to give me the slip, but I kept after it. Fuck me, this hurts. That why I ever bothered to bring in the small one is beyond me. It's not worth bothering about. That bit where he clenches his hand, yeah, and yeah. you see that I. Whenever you see those letters in a comic, that's a Wilhelm scream. Indeed. There we go. This story's mm. got a Wilhelm scream in it. Lovely. We'll yeah, have that. Lovely. Uh, it's also got a, a, a protagonist. As in the collector, who couldn't give two fucks about the events that have just preceded him. He, he witnesses all of this. Wait, you know, he's telling us this tale, in effect. Ah, poor Mr. Lansbury. If aliens serve their meals as we do, he's really had his chips. The psychotic bastard. Mind you, at the start, before all of this, he's gone, in his Ray Bradbury thing, there is a reason for every object being here. For example, this beauty is the eye of a fish. It reminds me that there is always more than one way of looking at things. Does it? Collector? Right. Is that what it reminds you Uh of? Rather than being like a decomposing animal part that you just happen to have lying around your fucking desk. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely crackers. He talks about some of my exhibits may seem a little out of the ordinary to you, but then so, too... Are the reasons why I keep them? Yes, at a glance, I diagnose some kind of early set on the psychosis. Is this a Peter Cushion thing where he's just like talking to himself in his cell in a fucking madhouse? Ah, probably. Probably. <laughs> fucking nuts. <sighs> so, we're nearly we done. We need some reality, don't we? We're, well, we've come to the wrong fucking place then. Haven't we? Because now it's time to read, Mike, read, read, Mike, read. Read my greed. I, I like this. I like that he's got his own jingle on there. Radio yeah, yeah. One's breakfast DJ comes yeah. the uh, the little panel ne- next to it in the logo with his face in and that. That's nice. Mike Reed. He's been given his own mental bullshit page. Yes, and he spends most of his little editorial bit talking about being coerced into doing this. <laughs> this this is like Daily Thompson's page when someone has left the top off the glue all night. Well, I was asked to do this, but I didn't really want to do it, so I was going to write about this, but then I wasn't really sure about this, and on and on he bangs. In his, oh. in this, he's got, like, his main column, then he's just, like, a bit of a quiz. In, the, in his main bit, he genuinely comes off as being, frankly, fucking unhinged. Yes, like he contracted yes. malaria before he wrote this. 
Yes. Someone's told him he's supposed to be mentioned as sport in his write-ups, as well as pop. So he starts uh-huh. racking his brain for people he can name drop who know about more about sport than him. He drops this actual fucking paragraph. I won't do his voice. I can't. My staggering sporting talents don't end there, though! Exclamation mark. Why, only a couple of months ago, all the guys at Radio 1 were having one of our rare evenings together. Brackets, which is a sort of cross between the Second World War and Game for a Laugh. Close brackets. And someone presented us with £17,500 worth of Monopoly money each, and we were allowed exactly 60 minutes in the casino next door to make as much money as we could. The winner would be the one with the most Monopoly money at the end of the hour. That's how I came by my rather dubious trophy, Radio 1 Gambler of the Year 1981. Not a trophy I'm proud of. Anyway, it was a bit of fun, although if it had been real money, I'd have been straight down the bank with it. Take a tip, never gamble with real money, it's a mugs game. What the fuck, Mike? <laughs> it's a fucking roller coaster. Absolutely is. I tell, I'm, I'm gripped for next week because <laughs> he says, next week I'll tell you all about my tennis exploits. I, for one, can't fucking wait. Jesus fucking Christ. You're like, do you like gambling or do you not like gambling? What happens when you walk into a casino? What happens when 20 DJs walk into a casino with Monopoly money in their pockets other than being told to fuck off? Is, is the idea that the casino's going to start paying them back with Monopoly money? <laughs> They've got their own Monopoly money as well as if they're not running a fucking business. Right. Nah. He treats us to a quiz. He well, I mean, he, I mean, he doesn't. Someone said, he hasn't managed to write a page, put a quiz in. Right, right, okay. Right, yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's straightforward quiz. Incidentally, I'll ask you this one. Question mm. two. With which football teams do you associate the following stars? Eric Morecambe, Elton John, Chas and Dave? No idea. Watford and no idea. See, Eric I'm Morecambe... Not, see, the answers are there upside down. I'm not looking at them. So yeah, t- yeah. tell me, am I right or... You need to tell you what. Don't tell me the answers. Right. Listener, email in. PeggyManPod at gmail.com. Which, don't cheat from the answers from the magazine that we told you to download already and read. Yeah, don't, don't turn <laughs> which, the page upside down. No. Which football teams do you associate with the following stars? Eric El- Morecambe, mm-hmm. Elton John, mm-hmm. Chas and Dave. Chas and Dave's going to count as one, and it's his football teams, which implies that there's three football teams. It's not one football team for all three of them. That is correct. There you go. There you go. There we go. There'll be a prize of absolutely nothing. We've got a little consumer guide uh, next to Mike Reed's section called Shop Watch. Yeah, the fuck is this? This is about it's well, it's it's the shopping basket feature for boys. Has Mike Reed written this? It's on his page. No, I think it was David Tench from Witch Magazine. Right. Shop Watch. First of all, it's they recommend stuff to buy basically for the lads. That's what they're doing it's here. Called, it's called Shop Watch. This mm. sounds like it. Yeah, it should be a consumer thing. Like, don't get ripped off. Not go out and buy this. That's yeah. not what Shop Watch is. No. No, that's right. We go out and buy shit. There's fucking adverts. There's full-page adverts for model planes and pop-up houses. They want to have somebody watching where they shop because they recommend a board game called Kensington. Sorry, I'll not be spending a fiver on this shit. It is a, a deceptively simple board game that's proving very popular. This is why I've never heard of it then. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> n- uh, n- never? <laughs> never. Kensington? What the fuck? It's moving shapes around. What the fuck has that got to do with the London Borough I'm- of Kensington? From the way they describe it, I don't understand this. Uh, at all? At yeah. all. I will. It, you can pick it up for a fiver, not while there's top trumps to be bought, I won't. It's very simple to pick up. Each player trying to occupy a hexagon shape while building squares and triangles to hinder his opponent. 
This sounds like it's something you can do with a pen and paper. Yes. I'm not doing it. Most, most game shops and toy shops stock it for about a fiver. Now, I haven't done the Bank of England inflation calculator on this. I don't want to. This seems very expensive for a thing that's just shapes. Ken, put it, put it back in the sleeve. Put the record back in the sleeve. <laughs> yes, it's that too, one, yes. This comic's 20 pence. A fiver seems fucking extortionate. Yes, absolutely. In the next paragraph down, the Puffin Adventure series, sports series series. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're 95 pence for a book. Yep. Why would I want to be, want to be spend £5 on, on, a, on a board game that's just bits of paper and shapes? Well, especially when you can buy a, a beautiful book from Puffin uh, telling you how to be A1 at karate or, or motor yes. racing. That's right, yes. Or skin diving? What's going on here? I think that means scuba diving. I think that's what they call it. Does it? Could be wrong. Do do email in, let us know. Peggymanpot yeah. at gmail.com. Um, apparently each book tells you how to get started in the sport and they're packed with hints on improving your technique to make you, quote, the best, unquote. That's their quotes, not mine. For 95 pence for a book, I'd want to be winning an Olympic medal after that. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Next week, a second from death. Yeah, we at the bottom of the page we get a little um, little trailer, if you like, of what's to come. It doesn't tell me what story. It that doesn't, is. does it? It just says a second from death. The assassin had things planned to perfection, but the best plans can go wrong. There's a photo underneath there of a guy tied up, gagging his mouth. It looks like he's tied up with washing rope and a revolver being pointed at him. No idea what fucking story this is in. No. If this could be. Fucking Thunderbolt and Smoggy for all I know. Absolutely, absolutely. But we've got the Free Eagle badge advert. Brilliant. We have, yes. yes. Actual size as well. Actual size. And, Lovely. Um, and a little, little segment for Doom Lord striking again. Who is that man? He reminds me of somebody. He's like Penfold. But he's, I'll tell you something, the man. Hey, hey, the size of his fucking left hand. <laughs> Has it inflated? Has Doom Lord inflated his left hand? Yes. Sensation as a famous member of parliament becomes Doom Lord's latest victim. Yeah. There we go. So, we get on to the back page. Good Lord! Already. And it's the finale to the Dan Dare story. Yeah, it's the end of the, um, the end of part one of this Mekon story. That's right. Um, the closing segment. And the Mekon has enslaved the people who freed him from the asteroid. In the top panel. Mm. On the planet where he's enslaved them. There's a chap. Picking, uh, picking apples. He's wearing a delightful pair of uh, sort of tiger print leggings. I want to know why he's wearing a crash hat. He's wearing a crash hat um, because every time he passes a mirror, he faints at just how wonderful he looks in zebra print slacks. OK, OK. You can understand that, can't you? I guess. Because yeah, he's wearing a beautiful smock to go with it as well. He is, yes. I he, like he, the fashion looks... on this planet. He is in the fashion. I mean, the Mekon's basically just there wearing a T-shirt. He That's is. it. He is. He wants to get some niggas on. But, uh, yes. Hey, 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 So, yeah, he asks He asks a computer. He does. Where is Dan Dare? Now, I will tell you, I did do this. I did ask Siri where Dan Dare was. Yes. And Siri told me that Dan Dare was in London, so it's surprisingly accurate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly the same technology. <laughs> Just gone, London. Right, okay. Didn't say Highgate, though, because, I mean, London's a big place. Yeah, he's in Highgate. He's in Highgate. That, oh. that... Should be a, a flag to everyone. What's in Highgate? Where, where do I know that name from? Mm. Why? Why do you know the name Highgate? Because of Highgate Cemetery. When you see that in that panel, and it says, um, "Dare Dan, test pilot, location Highgate, map ref, 
252R 777M. And says the Mekon materialised at the exact spot given by the computer. Dot dot dot. Then in bald, in Highgate Cemetery, and you're like, oh mate, what's what's down there? He's our saviour. He's going to save us from the Mekon. The Mekon is here, gone fucking wild. What's down there doing in Highgate Cemetery? Is he visiting someone? No, no, he's dead. Dead. Lost in 200 action. years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Lost in action in 1950, which is incredibly odd, considering most of his adventures took place during the 1950s. Yes, but, you know, that's fine. What's going on here? We'll find out next week. Certainly fucking right. I've filled out my form. I've given it to my news agent. It is a man now. I've given it to my news agent, and um, I should be down there clattering on the door next Saturday morning. Now, since we've reached the back page, Blackout, Yeah. question mm-hmm. remains, mm-hmm. how many pegs will you clip... To the Mekon's little surf thing. As he I'm gonna clip, floats around I'm go, I'm, the cemetery. I'm going <laughs> to clip pegs equidistantly around this space spinner and see how it flies. Oh, there you go. That's nice. <laughs> Do that. Watch it doesn't um, hit someone in the eye. Eagle's got the lot. It's Or it's certainly flinging as much shit at the wall as it can in its first 32 pages and seeing how much sticks. Yeah. You have only got to look at subsequent issues to see the features being shuffled around to know just how much they were trying to fucking guess what works here. As a new thing, Eagle is firing all cylinders, and I certainly can't fault this enthusiasm, but it's never going to be all things to all people, and the more it tries that, the more it fails. A solid start, though. Seven out of nine. Okay. Okay. Are uh, you going to be quite as forgiving as I am? My fuck. Five. Right, so... <laughs> Five's all right. This is absolutely of its time, this. Right, back in 1982, my interest lasted three issues with this comic. Ah, uh, OK. It wasn't what I expected, and my opinion has not changed. My problem is the photo stories. They're limiting as TV in terms of satisfactory storytelling. Right. The dark tone is right, however, in parts, but it's like that they're walking up to the point of edgy and controversial content, but they don't quite have the confidence to go through with what they really want to do. Certainly not at this early point, no. No, and that kind of makes it full of flaws for me. Five out of nine. Five out of nine. Okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Sergeant Streetwise. So, blackout. The question on the lips <laughs> of many a colleague of Sergeant Streetwise is, how many kicks up the arse will you give to Doomlord so as to highlight how ridiculous he actually looks before yodelling up the mountain? I could do it in as many issues of Eagle it is before you lose fucking interest. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, as noted, this issue of The Eagle features a frankly baffling page of misses from DJ Mike Reed, erstwhile commandant of Pop Quiz, one episode of which tested the metal of Lulu, who sat on Wogan's sofa in 1986 alongside Peggy Mount. What's wrong with your purple PVC? Lovely. Lovely. Not bad, not bad. What about yourself, though? I can do it in as many skid marks that can be found on Sergeant Streetwise's shithouse. Page two of the Eagles features a lukewarm, yet almost certainly fictionalised, testimonial from Sir Lenny Henry, who crept into the Bob Carroll G's episode of This Is Your Life, along with... I didn't know there was a vacancy. Ooh, textbook. 
There we are. Okay, right. I'm just off to do some detective work to ascertain whether or not Wizard and Chips is a subliminal command to urinate freely before partaking of a fried potato dish. In the meantime, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for being with us. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyManPod at gmail.com or we are PeggyManPod on Twitter, on Facebook and on the Instagram. Five-star ratings are always welcome on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to us. Don't forget to go to PeggyManPod.com, check out the show notes for this and for all of our earlier episodes. All the t-shirts! Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Don't forget, we have a range of merchandise available. All you have to do is go to HTTPS colon colon forward slash www.redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Dr Velvet forward slash shop question mark artist username equals Dr Velvet and collections equals 303-8898 It's as simple as that. It really is. That's it for Boom. another... Right? That's it for another week. But we'll be back at the same time in seven days with more jocular journals to make you jump for joy. Until then, keep pegging! Peggy Man Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyManPod.com. Peggy Man Calamity Hour.